Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, friends in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I just want to say right off the top, man, that podcast Tuesday with Scott Shera on the controversial, unnecessary death of his daughter, Grace, 19 years old, uh, due to hospital protocols, that has just blown up our website, our podcast downloads. I think uh, that podcast set a new record. So I know kind of getting an idea of what the pulse of our audience, of you and what you're interested in. There's a lot of information in that podcast. In fact, Scott Shera took the time to research and put together legal documents and information on the timeline of what happens in the hospital, for everything from allocation of care to the possible hospital decision-making matrix to uh, the info on do not resuscitate uh, orders to the COVID protocol, um, to the love of money that their hospitals are receiving money for uh, COVID patients, COVID deaths, uh, ventilators, and all that. So Scott put together all this. There are almost a dozen documents linked to Tuesday's podcast. I want you, if you haven't heard that one, you're going to want to. Scott Shara, S C H A R A, controversial unnecessary death of our daughter due to hospital protocols. Look that up Tuesday. I mean, so many people are are interested in that. Jan Markell uh, picked it up yesterday and just so many others. So listen to that podcast. And I'll tell you, when you get to the second segment, and it's going to be heart-wrenching because he was in tears. It's just been a couple months since his daughter died, but he's doing all this. Why? Hoping to prevent more unnecessary deaths and warn others and to share what he has learned and uh, he feels like David against Goliath, but that's uh, he's definitely uh, taken on the task. So God bless him. Pray for Scott and his wife. Uh, man, I can't imagine him and Cindy and their family. So today we have J.B. Hickson on the doc, the um, uh, topic for today, uh, the slow death of doctrine and, of course, discernment in the church. We're going to talk about that for the majority of the podcast. But uh, in just a minute, we're going to start off by talking about the Bible on trial. The Bible on trial. We know Christianity has become um, discriminated against, and, and there's a hostility toward the biblical worldview. Not, not surprising in our postmodern culture and, and what's happening in the world and in America, but we just thought it, we would last longer in America with our Constitution, with the religious freedoms, with the, the uh, First Amendment and uh, all the, the blessings we have here. But uh, we're going to have to face the facts And we'll talk about that as well in just a minute. Lord God, thank you for another day, and thank you for giving us this voice, uh, this podcast. For as long as you keep us on the air, Lord, help us to continue to glorify you and be diligent and not only try to convey from a biblical standpoint what's happening and to to encourage and warn others and, and strengthen our brothers and sisters in Christ, but also, Lord, to point people to Jesus in these last days, to share the gospel, the simplicity and the truth of the gospel, the whole counsel of God. Help us to be diligent in the study of Scripture and the application of it in our own lives. I pray for encouragement and a little extra encouragement for those listeners who are feeling tired, overwhelmed, battle-weary. Well, we are here to fight the good fight, Lord, and uh, I pray that we would continue to lock arms with those who would be allies in this fight for truth, in the defense of the gospel and the defense of truth, and in what we're going to talk about today, the defense of doctrine. Lord, thank you so much for just giving us another opportunity to hopefully uh, bless your name and to strengthen and and encourage people's faith in Jesus' name. Um Amen. J.B. Hickson is with us today, pastor of Plum Creek Chapel, Sedalia, Colorado. I visited there last summer. It was a, just a wonderful experience, great church, and I just family. It's great to know I have such a big family there. Uh, he's the author of many books, I think more than nine now. This might be an old, <laughs> but he's recognized for his expertise in the areas of systemic, systematic theology, 
Bible prophecy, evangelism, discipleship, and hermeneutics. I've got to slow down a little bit. Today's topic, the death of doctrine. J.B. Hickson, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth, brother. Hey, David, it's been too long. I uh, really enjoy, enjoy our time together. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. I'll start off by quoting 1 Timothy 4.16. That's what we're going to get to eventually. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So that's the topic for today. But first, JB, a little update on your church. You have been through a battle, and you had to uh, you know, reschedule a lot of Bible studies and uh, just do some online things. For a couple weeks, There were uh, you had a lot of uh, health issues with people in the congregation. How's the health of everybody there? Well, thanks for asking. Yeah, and thanks for your prayers. It was a rough uh, time there at the end of the year. Uh, last time I was on Stand Up for the Truth was December 20th, and I was right at the beginning of a really a two-week uh, hit with COVID, and it got much, much worse after that. In fact, Christmas Day was the worst of all, and wow. um, it was we were down and out. Yeah, I, I missed uh, two Sundays, two Wednesdays, and I missed our Christmas Eve service. And we had uh, some 20 to 25 people in the church that were that were sick, uh, many wow. of them hospitalized, uh, some of them even more seriously than me and my wife and our, our family was. Uh, but, uh, you know, God is faithful. People prayed. It was a spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we called on the prayer warriors, and by God's grace, we got through it, and the new year is off to a fantastic start. Uh, we had our Bible study, you know, last night and the last few Wednesdays, and great crowd, and just really diving into the Word of God, and and, uh, and trusting Him. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's behind us now, and boy, are we glad. Yeah, praise God. Well, I was uh, pleasantly surprised to go over to harbingersdaily.com this morning and see your article, the one we're going to talk about today, Doctrine is Dead, Top Opinion, J.B. Hickson. Now you're on top of my article there. Come on. Anyway, well, you know, every now and then uh, a blind <laughs> squirrel finds a nut, you know, so. <laughs> I like to emphasize the fact it's not a competition. Oh, my goodness, I could get into something with, you know, other Christian ministries. I, I, I'm just going to say this. If you have a Christian ministry, whether you have your a church or a part of a church or a nonprofit that's Christian-based or a Christian radio station or whatever it might be, We and the body of Christ are on the same team. We are not to look at others in Christ as competition, but yet I know it happens. So I just wanted to get that off my chest. We we talked a little bit about that in our staff meeting yesterday. But uh, JB, um, my article this week is called Bible on Trial, Speaking Truth and Scripture is Now Hate Speech. We documented what's happening in Canada with uh, the uh, government coming against Biblical sexuality and conversion therapy, they're talking about that on so-called conversion therapy. Over in Finland, there's a politician over there that's actually literally on trial. She's in the courtroom for sharing a scripture from Romans 1 about homosexuality. And over here in America now, just a couple weeks ago, uh, about 4,000 pastors spoke out in in a way they preached on uh, biblical sexuality to really protest Canada's uh, new law, and they've got a, a new law that's very concerning. It's broadly worded, and it would really le- cause, well, it would criminalize the biblical worldview and wherever you shared scriptures about uh, sexuality. So Pastor John MacArthur is one who was deplatformed from YouTube. So his sermon was taken down, and that's tolerance, right, of the left. But he said some interesting things, and I want to get your response. I'm going to quote him here. He said, there's no such thing as transgender. You are either XX or XY. That's it. God made man male and female. That is determined genetically. That is physiology. That is science. That is reality. And then he went on. But JB, your response to this, because now we're talking America, so it has come home, hasn't it? Well, it certainly has. And we we went through a season and are are still in a season in our American culture where people were being deplatformed and Mm -hmm. canceled. Of course, you wrote the book about this. Uh, for taking a stand for truth just in the in a secular realm, uh, facts and science and medicine and those types of things. Uh, so it shouldn't surprise us at all. In fact, it's a pretty easy step uh, for the powers that be to yep. then start to censor believers for simply teaching the Word of God. Uh, now, it is a sign of the times, to be sure. One of the verses that I'm sure will uh, end up uh, coming across in our discussion today is 2 Timothy 4, where, remember, uh, Paul in his last letter 
under yes. the inspiration of the Spirit, predicted that the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according <laughs> yeah. to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Now, we often read that in the context of the Church, and we think that there are going to be apostate Christians and apostate churches that are turning away from the truth, but, but I think it could very easily apply to the culture in general. And so when you think about it, there are people today, unbelievers, uh, who are heaping up for themselves itching ears to condone their immoral behavior. And, uh, you know, if, if you're living in sin and you're following the ways of the flesh, what you really crave, or, you know, to use Paul's word, what you're itching for is for someone to say, it's okay, that, that's fine, keep doing that, you're, you're, you're good. And, uh, and I think that's what's happening, and it's, it's uh, an attack on the very image of God in man. As, uh, as the MacArthur quote you gave uh, reminded us, God created man male and female. It's the essence of uh, humanity. So it's a serious, uh, a serious development, uh, not necessarily new. It's just really becoming more prevalent and more mainstream now uh, as they attack uh, the Bible. That's right. Um, and we have to continue to be determined and uh, commit, committed to really speaking the truth in love, yes, but don't back down from the truth, friends, just because there's opposition. There are so many examples throughout Scripture of great men of God who've taken stands and who've continued to speak the truth in the uh, midst if, of if opposition. If I can add to that, you know, you were talking about Scott Shera yes. and, uh, and his heart-wrenching uh, story on, uh, on Stand Up for the Truth Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's an example of one who is standing firm and fighting the fight. And oh, boy. I can remember a conference that, uh, that you and I went to with our wives in uh, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. where one of the speakers appointed to one of those men of God you just referenced who in the Scriptures stood firm, and that was David yes. uh, and uh, his fight with Goliath. And the speaker, and I'll never forget it, I've requoted it a couple of times already, he talked about, you know, why do you think David had five stones with him? And, uh, you know, the speaker said, I think it's because David was so determined, he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to get him with his first throw or not, so he was just going to keep on hurling stones Hmm. until either he died or Goliath died. And uh, that's a paraphrase, but something to that effect. And and that that really stuck with me that, you know, uh, we look at it in arrears and we see the end result, which was a great miracle of God and a victory in God's strength. Mm -hmm. But uh, David's attitude was, was, I'm going to keep fighting no matter what. And so we have to keep doing that. And and even, uh, let's go back a step, in order to be battle-ready, you, you've really got to work. It takes discipline to be battle-ready as a soldier, and we are to be students of the Word of God, soldiers of truth, soldiers for Christ, who enlisted us. We are to obey our commanding officer, and our instructions are in the Bible, but we have to be battle-ready. I think of um, Nehemiah. Actually, I'm preaching at a church in Appleton this Sunday, and I'm going to be sharing how th- that we need to have that faith in the face of opposition, be battle ready. They were working for God, and they were they had uh, a, a sword or a weapon in one hand while they were working, build, rebuilding the wall of, of Jerusalem with the other hand. It was just an amazing account, especially in Nehemiah chapter 4. But uh, JB, let's talk about one of the fights that we did not want to acknowledge that we're in for the longest of time in the evangelical church, or the American church, so to speak, and that is the battle for doctrine. Um, I, you know, you wrote such an interesting article, the way you laid it out, and I would just love for you to set it up for us, and then since it is a short article, and we're going to be talking about many of the points that you make, would you mind reading it for our listeners? Yeah, I will, and uh, I was really excited that Harbinger's uh, picked it up, and it's, uh, like you said, it's in the top spot right now, but the article's called Doctrine is Dead, and basically what I did was, uh, you know, like you said, having spoken at different conferences and experienced uh, the trend, it is a long-standing trend uh, for the last couple generations. We've seen doctrine become less and less important and come under more and more attack, and um so what I decided to do is personify doctrine as if it were a person, hmm. and basically talk about how it's uh, it's breathed its last. So um, I'll read it. I think we should have time to get it in. It's only a short article sure. uh, before the break. But uh, I begin this just in from Reuters News Service. Doctrine died today. The news of doctrine's demise, while tragic, was not entirely unanticipated. It had been battling a terminal illness for many years. Doctrine's storied history is well known. 
from its powerful birth in the apostolic age to its rapid rise to a place of centrality in the Christian life during the early centuries of the Church, to its serious injuries and repression throughout the medieval period, to its incurable diagnosis during the Enlightenment, and finally, its death in this present pluralistic age. For a brief time, hope of doctrine's recovery reemerged during the early 20th century as inerrantists and biblicists put forth aggressive treatment programs that appeared to cause doctrine's disease to enter remission. But such hopes turned out to be premature. With the onset of postmodern thinking, doctrine suffered a rapid decline and finally breathed its last just this morning. Reaction to this news has been swift and fairly consistent. One leading evangelical leader wrote, while we are saddened by this news, we are glad to know that doctrine's suffering is finally over. <laughs> now we can get on with more important matters like relationship building and loving our brothers. Mm. Another pastor commented, Our hearts go out to all those who loved doctrine and stood by it until the bitter end. We pray that they will gain closure and move forward quickly. We invite them to stop living in the past. Come join the rest of us in mainstream evangelical Christianity as we seek to change the world through love, peace, and goodwill, rather than the divisiveness of creedalism. Mm. Not all Christian leaders have been as diplomatic in their comments. One highly influential Christian personality quipped, It's about time. Doctrine has had a stranglehold on the thoughts and minds of Christians for far too long. Good riddance. The general sentiment across Christendom seems to be one of relief. The climate within Christianity has been characterized by a disdain for doctrinal standards for quite some time. Those who draw lines of theological distinction are perceived as unloving, even hateful or mean, while those who draw circles of inclusion are viewed as more progressive, loving, and open-minded. Anyone who claims his view is right, based upon biblical doctrine, is charged with trying to force his view on someone else. Indeed, the labels right and wrong have been replaced in favor of less dogmatic phrases like opinion and bias. Those from the can't-we-all-just-get-along political action committee within evangelicalism <laughs> already have issued a statement celebrating the dawning of a new day. Quote, finally, once and for all, we can put an end to the judgmentalism, hatred, and arrogance of doctrine's disciples who insist that right belief is important. Such an archaic philosophy has been on life support for many years, and we are heartened that we can now move definitively beyond it to happier days of fellowship, joy, affirmation, and acceptance of all people, regardless of their particular beliefs. Well, one final addendum to this story. An obscure and little-known Christian leader who goes only by the first name Paul has cautioned that such celebratory response to the death of doctrine is typical of those who consciences have been seared with a hot iron and whose itching ears desire to hear only what makes them feel good. He goes on to point out that doctrine is necessary for proper behavior and that Christians would do well to, quote, hold fast to sound doctrine, for in so doing it will protect and preserve all who follow it, end quote. It remains to be seen what effect the laying to rest of doctrine will have on Christianity, but if this Paul is correct, Straws will blow even more erratically as the blustery winds pick up. I love that article, JB, and the way you, you laid it out, and uh, so much to get into. Um, we've only got a minute left in this segment, roughly, so I'm not going to ask a question. But one of the things that we are going to talk about when we come back after our break is how this happened. Um, and I think we, we can uh, kind of dissect that, the problem, and then we, of course, we'll get to the solution by the end of the podcast, and it is the Word of God. It's, it's recommitting ourselves to the Word of truth. It's got to begin in the pulpits, but at the same time, JB, one of the most common emails or phone calls we've received over the last several years is someone looking for a church that's, in, that's, that's of sound doctrine— preaching the whole counsel of God and unashamed of the gospel, but also they've added a, that, they've added to that, that one will stand for religious freedom and not be afraid to tackle Bible prophecy and cultural or social issues. So that goes a little bit away from doctrine, but yet the foundation is the Word of God. Another question we'll ask J.B. Hickson when we come back. If doctrine divides, why keep fighting for it? So much more to get to as we'll walk through this and talk a little bit about the history on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here.
your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, J.B. Hickson, Not By Works Ministries. And we're talking about doctrine in his new article, which I really love his approach. And so let's go back to the second paragraph, J.B., when you really condensed some history. There's a lot more that goes into this, but you went from the apostolic age and the birth of doctrine to the Enlightenment and then its death in the present pluralistic age. Can you help us uh, with a little bit of detail between the lines there? Yeah, so I guess one way to to come at it is to uh, ask the question, why do you believe what you believe? And for many, many centuries, really, uh, in the pre-modern era, uh, everyone, even unbelievers, uh, had a basic understanding of God and absolute truth, and uh, they may not have believed the gospel and been a born-again Christian, but they certainly had a place for faith and providence, they would call it, and and God the Creator. Uh, but once you got into the modern era, and, you know, the, the Enlightenment, the Age of Reason, most uh, scholars kind of pinpoint the date of that at 1789 with the storming of the Bastille and the French Revolution. But mm. at that point, science and reason eclipsed the Bible uh, and eclipsed faith, and uh, people no longer looked to the Bible as the standard for their beliefs and attitudes and practices. Instead, they looked inward at their own reasoning and what uh, science uh, would tell them, and uh, science became uh, the ultimate standard. And of course, if we've learned anything through this uh, control of virus scandemic the last two years, it's that science is completely untrustworthy, at least the bought and paid for science that, that we see today. Yes. Uh, and so uh, that, that period lasted for about 200 years until, you know, most scholars put it at roughly 1989 when we transitioned into the postmodern era. And today, it's, it's not only that uh, that's, it's not an issue of whether science or the, or the Bible are the standard. It's There is no standard. Anything goes. Uh, you can believe whatever you uh, want to believe. And so uh, we're really fighting a, a difficult battle. But, you know, you talked about how in, ch- in a lot of churches, uh, Christians uh, think somehow it's, uh, it's taboo or, uh, you know, it, it's a dirty word to talk about doctrine because they're supposed to be seeking unity. Uh, well, if you look at Scripture... <laughs> They've they've really co-opted a word divisiveness and turned it into meaning something entirely different. Yes, what that word means in Scripture mm-hmm. in Romans 16, Paul says essentially just the opposite of what a lot of believers are saying today. He says that we are to turn away from those whose doctrine is contrary to basically Bible doctrine and therefore cause divisions. And so it's the ones who are rejecting biblical truth, yes. who are actually divisive. Yeah, what's so that scripture again, J.B.? Unless you have a common foundation, right? J.B., that You've scripture again? a common basis of why you believe what you believe. And mm. So we believe the Bible is the only standard for our beliefs, attitudes, and practices, and therefore it is preeminent. We, we've got to know what God's Word says, and just as you started out the program talking about all those uh, men of God who are standing against uh, sin in in our world today and taking paying quite a price for it, uh, they're doing so based on Scripture. It's really not rocket science. I mean, the Bible is pretty clear on most issues, namely gender. I mean, uh, I mean that should be pretty clear to anybody that understands biology too. But it's certainly clear <laughs> based on the teaching of God's Word. So uh, we're not being divisive when we take a stand for doctrine. Um, but I've seen that I've seen that uh, firsthand. I remember speaking at a pastors' conference some time ago in Florida, and many times I'm I'm kind of the lone wolf on stage. Uh, you know, as long as they'll give me the freedom to speak the truth and share the gospel clearly, accurately, and urgently, I'll pretty much go anywhere. And I was actually at this conference with a bunch of, uh, uh, frankly, uh, postmodern uh, liberal type scholars that are you know, well-known personalities, I won't mention their names, but <laughs> very popular in evangelicalism. And I was in the green room between uh, sessions and listening to them talk, and I heard this one uh, very famous uh, evangelical leader talking about, in fact, it was the inspiration for this article when I first started putting these thoughts down, he, he was talking about how divisive doctrine is and how we really need to get away from creedalism and we just need to love one another and, you know, can't we just, you know, agree to disagree? 
Well, you know, that catchphrase, agree to disagree, is really not biblical at all. <laughs> it's not biblical at all. The Bible teaches that Christians need to disagree to agree. Mm. We need to stop agreeing with viewpoints, principles, teaching that is plainly contrary uh, to biblical doctrine, and we need to speak out uh, against it. So, yeah, that's kind of how we got here, um, but there's always a remnant, yes. and there's always the David Fierrazos and the Stand Up for the Truth programs that are out there sounding the alarm, and, and hopefully we can make a small difference in this tide. Uh, JB, just one more follow-up to that, what you just shared. In uh, Romans 16, in, in the New American Standard, in, in verse 17, it says, turn away from them. Um, yeah. There are other places in the Bible uh, where it says, well, for example, the apostles wiped the dust of their sandals off their feet when they, when the, the, wherever they went to preach the gospel. They didn't receive the, or they rejected the truth, rejected the gospel. There are other places where we are not to have fellowship with those who would not stand on sound doctrine, but yet you, it is it is dividing people, but yet we are called to do so. Can you just explain a little bit more about what turn away from them? When is it over doctrine and uh, okay biblically to break fellowship, for example? Yeah, so you're exactly right. I mean, not only is what the world calls divisiveness biblical, it's commanded. Mm. When we come across someone who is not teaching sound doctrine, we are to avoid them. And by the way, that phrase, note those, I think some translations say mark those who are teaching contrary doctrine. The word note there in in, uh, Greek is the word skopeo. It's where we get our English word scope, as in scope out. So, So we're supposed to pay close attention and look carefully at what people are teaching. And when it violates plain biblical doctrine, we are commanded to turn away from them, to, 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 to avoid them and, 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 and stand firm. You know, uh, John, in, in his epistle, I think it's in Second John, reminds us that when someone shows up at your door teaching false doctrine, you're not even supposed to bid them hello. You're not even supposed to open the door. And so, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we've been conditioned to think that we've got to embrace and love and be kind to. Now, you can be friendly mm-hmm. to people that are teaching false doctrine. We always want to be friendly and kind, but we don't want to be friends with or embrace or certainly not implicitly or explicitly condone what they're teaching, because that in itself is a violation of Scripture. Wow. I mean, there's so much we, more we could talk about. I was just thinking as you were explaining that, but 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 what if we like the worship? But but what if our kids like the youth group they're a part of? And you know what I mean. But yeah. if if it's not sound doctrine, it is. If it is not biblical, um, turn away, walk away, leave. But anyway, that's for another topic. We've discussed that, in fact, in the past. JB, you have some points that you wanted to make that you put together for this uh, topic today. Yeah, so as I was thinking about this, I, you know, yesterday I just started uh, sort of a stream of consciousness writing down verses that came to my mind that, uh, you know, support the notion of, of doctrine. And so, you know, in terms of, you know, why doctrine matters, which is kind of what I am calling this, I guess you'd say, uh, I, I came up with uh, 10. Now, one caveat, you know, you need to understand, I love theology, <laughs> and uh, I make my living teaching the Word of God, and I was in academics for a number of years, so I could have come up with dozens of reasons to study doctrine, but I came up with 10. I don't know if we'll get to all of them, but I did kind of prioritize them, and I just thought I would uh, pass them on. Uh, so, number one reason to study Bible doctrine is we're commanded to pay attention to our doctrine. So, the verse that I referenced in my article and the verse that you started out the program talking about, 1 Timothy 4.16, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. The word save there just means deliver, protect, rescue. It's not talking about eternal salvation, because we don't get to heaven because we stand firm in in doctrine, thankfully, or a lot of Christians would be out of luck. Uh, We get saved because of the free gift of eternal life, received by faith alone and Christ alone. So save here is not talking about eternal salvation, but temporal deliverance. And so the idea is uh, take heed to yourself and to doctrine because this is going to help protect and preserve you in life. Uh, so the first reason that we should study Bible doctrine is because we're commanded to. Second Timothy 2.15, Paul says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, or correctly handling 
God's Word. The old King James says, study. <laughs> you know, So we don't like to study uh, today. We, we like to be told what to believe. We like soundbite theology. And when people have a question, the first thing they do is pull for a book or a commentary by a popular evangelical leader. And sadly, that makes them really beholden mm. to a person yep. rather than to the infallible Word of God. Yeah. Uh, number two that I came up with, why should we study Bible doctrine? Not only because we're commanded to, but because right doctrine is necessary for eternal salvation. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but right doctrine is necessary to be saved. If, you know, if, if, we, if we don't think doctrine is important, then how can we ever know that the gospel itself is important? Uh, the gospel is part of God's Word. It's, it's the preeminent teaching of God's Word. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes it. So, uh, you know, he told uh, uh, the Jews in Romans 10 when he was talking about the future for Israel, he says, they have not all obeyed the gospel. So if you don't study the Bible, then you're not going to be able to know, hear, and understand the saving message of the gospel. Uh, Paul said, uh, you know, uh, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And Jesus himself said, if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Wow. So those who uh, have no appetite for doctrine need to step back and realize, if it weren't for biblical truth, doctrine, we wouldn't know the gospel, and we wouldn't be able to be saved. Um, so doctrine's commanded. It's necessary for eternal salvation. And then this one I know will resonate with the standard for the truth uh, audience. Uh, One reason to study Bible doctrine that came to my mind is we don't want to be part of that great last day's apostasy. Mm. I I mentioned 2 Timothy 4, where the time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine. So all those feel-good Christians out there who are promoting, you know, quote, unity, which you can't have unity if there's not basic agreement about belief, but all those feel-good Christians out there need to recognize, you know, if you have no use for appetite, you are signing on to this uh, group of those who have itching ears and and are not enduring sound doctrine. And and I don't know about you, David, but I don't want to be a part of of that apostasy. Yeah, we've got to be careful who we unite with, who we lock arms with. This idea of unity, let's spend a couple minutes on this JB, because this is a very common problem in a lot of churches that have conformed to the world, whether that be uh, going down the social justice uh, road, the apostasy there, or whether it be in this um, feeling, um, this woke culture, this, as you said in your article, those who draw circles of inclusion, who are viewed as more progressive, more loving and open-minded. How many rainbow flags have we seen flying literally outside of some church doors, some church buildings wanting to be welcoming. And so talk about that, how, how that is a danger. We must not unite with them, J.B. Yeah, you know, you've heard me say it many times in different contexts on this program, but it's never the loving thing to do to perpetuate a lie. Mm. So when you think you're being loving by agreeing to disagree, quote-unquote, when you think you're being loving by affirming someone else's false belief, you're not being loving. That's hateful, frankly. You know, the world has taken language and turned it on its head and and turned words into the exact opposite meaning of what their inherent meaning is. And so uh, it's never the loving thing to do to perpetuate a lie. If you really love someone, you will lovingly, graciously speak the truth and say, you know what, I, I just can't agree with you there. Uh, I think it's wrong. But we don't like to use the word wrong, because the minute you say wrong, uh, people will, you get a reaction. You get this visceral reaction. I was speaking at a conference in Alaska a few years ago, and about four or five years ago, and I was doing a, a Bible study uh, before the main service uh, at this church. There was about 50 people, maybe 40 or 50 people in the room, and I was just kind of basically giving a high-level overview of God's End Times program, basically pre-tribulational dispensational theology. I didn't call it that. but uh, And a lady raised her hand at the back of the room, and she said, uh, isn't what you're espousing here called dispensationalism? And I said, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, it is. And she said, well, uh, don't you, uh, you know, give any credence to uh, the opposing view, covenant theology? And I said, well, no, ma'am, not really. You know, I was trying to move on and get 
so I could keep going. I only had a limited time. But she kept on, and she said, well, well, why not? And I said, because they're wrong. Well, boy, she did not like that <laughs> at all. In her mind, uh, you know, calling one of the two views, you know, dispensationalism and covenant theology wrong, was hateful and mean. But the fact is, uh, they can't both be right. Uh, they might both be wrong. Now, we believe the Bible teaches a dispensational framework, but uh, they they cannot possibly both be right because they are exactly opposed to each other. Hmm. So there's nothing wrong with being, you know, saying the word wrong. Now, we always want to have a, a modicum of humility because we know that theology is a lifelong process and we're constantly studying the Word and going back to the Word. And I know in 32 years of ministry, there have been times when I've realized I was wrong about an interpretation of a certain passage as the Spirit of God directed me to other passages and I connected the dots. But So we always want to be humble, but at the same time, this you know postmodern notion that everybody can be right at the same time is just mm. not biblical. So, J.B., we just got two minutes left. Could you share one more bullet point quickly, and if we have to finish that up on the other side of the break, we'll do so? Yeah, no, this is a perfect one that uh, came to my mind. The verse that came to my mind was Philippians 3.10, where Paul says that I may know him, talking Mm. about Jesus, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. And it occurred to me that doctrine, one reason to study doctrine is that doctrine will have a will have a powerful and positive impact on our relationship with Jesus. <laughs> I mean, here's Paul, when he says, I want to know him, he's not saying, I want to get saved. He was already saved. Right. He had, he had come to, to faith in Christ, but he wanted to know him more intimately and more deeply, and the only way we can do that is by studying the Word of God. So study doctrine because it will have a powerful, positive impact on your relationship with Jesus. Not only that, here was a guy that knew more, a Pharisee. I mean, he studied under the greatest. He knew the Scriptures backward and forward, and he was a, a man who was n- wanting to know his Lord and Savior more and to grow in the grace and knowledge of, of Jesus Christ. And, and so we, we can go, wow, he had the head knowledge, and he had all that history and all the studying of the Old Testament, you know, the, the Torah and, and the Jewish laws and the customs and everything like that. He was seeking perfection in that area, but he needed to know Jesus, that I may know him. And uh, so we've got uh, J.B. Hickson on with us today for you just tuning in. We're talking about why doctrine matters, and we link to his article at StandUpForTheTruth.com in today's podcast post. More more with J.B. Hickson on doctrine when we come back in just a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. J.B. Hickson is our guest today, Not By Works Ministries, pastor of Plum Creek Chapel in Colorado, a great church, a great family. And um, I want to continue now. Um, actually, I'll let J.B. continue. We're going through some bullet points of why doctrine matters. If you could briefly review what we've gone through, JB, and then go to, I think, number six. Yeah, so just to kind of reiterate, uh, the reason ultimately doctrine is important is that it's the basis for what we believe and and, and think. And and so, you know, all of these challenges that we see today to truth uh, all have arisen out of a fact that people have shunned the Bible and they have been convinced uh, wrongly that, you know, doctrine doesn't matter and the Bible doesn't matter. So I, I've kind of been thinking uh, yesterday about reasons that doctrine matters, and I uh, came up with 10 that we, we wanted to share on today's program. But the first ones that we've talked about, it's, you know, doctrine matters because we're commanded to pay attention to our doctrine. Doctrine matters because right doctrine is necessary for eternal salvation. You can't get saved if, if you don't understand the gospel. Uh, number three, doctrine matters because we don't want to be part of the great last days apostasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, doctrine matters because there's a, a connection between right belief and right behavior. Actually, I don't even know if we mentioned that one, so maybe maybe we did only get through four. So let's talk about that one. Sure. Clearly, there's a connection between what you believe and how you behave. Uh, For example, Colossians 1, Paul says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, 
that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work. In other words, once we know God as he's revealed himself to us in his word, it impacts how we act. It impacts our behavior. Obviously, 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, very familiar passage. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, so that the man, and the idea there is man or woman, of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, in other words, if, you're, if you have a behavior issue, it's probably because you have a thinking issue, you have a belief issue. Uh, if you're not in the Word of God and you're not, you know, don't value the teaching of the Word of God and doctrine, uh, then you're never going to be able to translate that into a proper uh, living. Uh, Peter put it this way in First Peter one thirteen to sixteen: Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Watch this. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves uh, to the former lusts as in your ignorance. In other words, when you don't know, when you didn't know the Bible, you were living out of the flesh, conforming yourself to former lusts. But now you do know the Bible, so gird up the loins of your mind. Uh, he goes on to say, because he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. So mm. a doctrine matters because there's a connection between right belief and right behavior. Uh, and then we said that uh, before the break uh, that one reason to, to study doctrine is that doctrine will have a powerful positive impact on your relationship with Jesus. The more you study doctrine in the Word of God, the, the deeper your knowledge becomes of Christ, and you realize just what an amazing God we serve, yes. amazing Savior we have, and how amazing His grace is. Mm. So, Amen. Um, so then the next one, and I like this one, pretty simple, but it's uh, sometimes these the more simple ones resonate with us more. Uh, but doctrine matters because doctrine will affect our lives in very positive, practical ways. Remember what James, the Lord's brother, said in James 1. Uh, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and that's talking about the Word of God, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Hmm. So I think sometimes Christians need to step back and remember, you know, you, blessing in life doesn't come because you go to church or because you, you know, hang out with other Christians or listen to Christian radio or, you know, don't cuss or, you know. Blessing in life, the Bible tells us, comes from hearing and doing the Word of God. And so, you know, if you're going to a church that has, you know, great programs, comfortable seats, a great nursery, a big youth basketball league, all of that might be fine, nothing wrong with those things. But if all of those things eclipse the priority and centrality of biblical doctrine, which should be above all, then you're not going to a good church. I'm just here to tell you, um, because you're not. Those things have their place, but they're not ultimately what brings blessing. It's by hearing and doing the word of God. Um, so then, number seven is doctrine matters because doctrine provides a firm foundation on which to build our lives. You know, this last couple of years, you know, have seen many people, even many believers feel like you know they're they're tossed to and fro like a straw in the wind and paul addresses this uh in ephesians in one of his prison epistles he says in verse 4 ephesians 4:14 4, we should no longer be children tossed to and fro carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the coving craftiness of deceitful plotting Boy, as we've talked about in my Spirit of the Antichrist series and my What in the World is Going On series, you know, the Luciferian elite that are really pulling the strings behind the curtain there, you know, they have deceived a lot of people. Yes. Every wind of doctrine. But sadly, the same thing is true within the Church. Uh, there are false teachers who are out there uh, saying all kinds of things, and unfortunately, uh, 
believers are being caught up in it. It's why I ended that article, Doctrine is Dead, that we read at the outset uh, by talking about these blustery winds that are going to continue to blow people every which way. Um, but when we study doctrine, it gives us a, a firm foundation uh, that we can build on from there. Listen to what Paul said in Colossians 2. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught. <laughs> so, you know, how do we get to know Jesus today? It's not through some subjective, mystical experience of, you know, gazing at cloud formations or, you know, looking at tea leaves. We get to know the Lord Jesus through the written, in, you know, written living Word of God. You know, the, the Bible talks about two words of God, the living incarnate Word of God, Jesus Christ. You know, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And it talks about the living written Word. And the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. So Paul says, you know, you, you were saved by faith, and, and you want to continue to walk by faith, but you need to be rooted and built up and established in the faith as you have been taught. Well, too many Christians aren't being taught, you know. I, I was a part of a, uh, a church uh, a couple of years ago that uh, we were trying to help kind of get going up in a rural part of the mountains. We lived in a very remote mountain area, and uh, there, there was no building, no, it wasn't really an established, uh, constituted church, but it was a loosely identified group of believers that, uh, that frankly, uh, there wasn't, there weren't hardly any mature believers in in the group. We would have some in the summer months that came from other parts of the country to their second home, and they were involved in good Bible teaching churches back at their other home. And that was always nice during the summer, but the year-rounders up there had no appetite, most of them, not all, but most of them, for the Word of God. In fact, I can remember one leader in the church telling me I needed to quit talking about how the Bible is clear, because the Bible's not clear. We don't know what it means, and nobody knows what it means. Wow. We don't need to give out gospel tracts, and we don't need to promote the gospel. One person told me that I don't really know how to be saved because I was saved as a young boy, and and I don't know what it's like to try to get saved as an adult. (laughs) You know, so this is an example of those who are carried about by every wind of doctrine Mm. because they didn't respect and look to the Word of God as their only standard. Then, when I'm preaching the gospel, they can say, "Well, we don't we don't accept that because your experience." Uh, means that you're not qualified to tell me how to get saved as an adult. And I would say, well, my qualification is simply the Word of God. It Mm -hmm. tells us very plainly, in fact, more than 160 times, that the only way to have eternal life is by faith alone and Christ alone. So, you know, that's, I think, a very important principle, is that doctrine uh, will help us have a firm foundation uh, to build our lives on. Let me, Uh, uh, before we go to the next point, J.B., let me just quote Jude, um, who said, he was making every effort to write about our common salvation, but he said, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all time handed down to the saints. And then he said, certain people have crept in unnoticed who were marked out for this condemnation. Later on in that uh, chapter, it says, these people disparage all the things they do not understand. And then you were talking about carried away by winds of doctrine. And this says, these people are like clouds without water, carried along by winds, trees without fruit. Your thoughts on that passage from James? Yeah, well, you, uh, from Jude, right? <clears throat> yep, James, like yeah. I said, Jude. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so uh, well, you know, that old Jude, he was a pretty divisive guy. You know, he <laughs> liked to cause problems. But no, I mean, that that's a parallel passage to Second Peter 2. yes. I just had the chance to preach on that a couple months ago in Duluth, Minnesota, at a pastor's conference. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he, you know, that's that's exactly right. Clouds without water is a great metaphor. Mm-hmm. You know, these people that spout off these uh, this great rhetoric that might be clever and sound good, you know, like that catchphrase, we just have to agree to disagree. Kind of catchy, isn't it? Sounds good. But it's it's got no rain. It's empty. It's a cloud without water because it's not biblical. Mm. Uh, we should never agree to disagree with someone who is wrong. Uh, why would we do that, you know? Uh, I mean, I, I, I've had students tell me in the classroom before when I'm speaking on a particular doctrine, they'll say, they'll raise their hand and they'll say, uh, are you sure you're right about that, Prof? And, and I'll say, well, of course, why would I teach something I didn't think was right? 
if I thought I was wrong, do you think I would be up here teaching it? I mean, that's just nonsensical. So, but that's the world we live in. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, uh, it's a, it gives us a firm foundation for sure. JB, but, there's uh, time for one more point. More, three more real quick. So number okay. eight reason to study doctrine is that sound doctrine is necessary for evangelism. Mm -hmm. Sound doctrine is necessary for evangelism. Remember what Peter said in 1 Peter 3.15, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. And if you don't know the Bible, if you don't know doctrine, uh, if you don't know the doctrine of salvation, then how in the world are you going to be ready to give a defense hmm. You know, when someone asks you for the hope that is in you? <clears throat> so, number nine, uh, doctrine helps us see the harmony and unity of Scripture. I love this. You know, hmm. as a systematic theologian, it's kind of the way my mind is wired. But when we study doctrine from Genesis to Revelation, we're able to connect the dots in God's progressive uh, unveiling of himself to mankind over 1,500 years. And we're able to see that that Scripture is, you know, has an incredible unity and harmony. And you know, uh, Paul uh, said at the end of Acts, there he said, uh, when they uh, when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, and he explained and solemnly testified to them of the kingdom of God. Listen, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. So, I mean, the whole Bible points us truth hmm. to ultimately Jesus Christ, who Amen. said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So doctrine helps us see the harmony and unity of Scripture. Hmm. And then finally, uh, and I know we're at, almost out of time here, so we, I wish we had had more time. We probably should have said this one first. <laughs> uh, doctrine helps us understand God's end times plan. Ooh. Doctrine helps us understand yes. God's end times plan. If there was ever a time that we needed to see what lies ahead, it's right now in these in these crazy, rapidly changing times. But remember what Paul said in First Thessalonians four: "I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren." And he goes on to say, "For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God." So, unfortunately, there are many believers. Uh, you and I have talked about it. You know, the eighty-four percent club mm -hmm. that have no appetite for end times prophecy and they are willingly ignorant. But if we study doctrine and prioritize doctrine, we will understand God's plan for the future. Amen. I think that's a good place to, to end it right there, JB. Thank you so much. Not by Works Ministries. We'll talk to you soon, God willing. Hey, thanks so much, David. God bless. You're welcome. Coming up on Monday, Gary Ka, Hope for the World. But tomorrow, it's Tony Garule of Radical Truth. He's back with us. We haven't caught up with Tony in about six months, so... Uh, he's, of course, an expert on Islam and uh, witnessing the Muslims. We'll talk a lot about that and what's going on with his ministry. But thank you guys so much. As always, God bless you. And keep speaking the truth about things that matter.